welcome guys to episode six how is medical cannabis grown james you want to give the listeners a little insight on what we're going to talk about this episode boy oh boy this was a big one you can tell that we were uh having a conversation that was well and truly in johnny's remit as a <laughs> cultivator so there's a lot to talk about um so the the umbrella topic today how is cannabis grown and subtopics that we discussed are things like what are the different cultivation methods how is it cultivated how long does it take to go can- grow cannabis from seed to finished product and then Australian cannabis, is it high quality? How does it compare to global standards? Where is the world at? Where are we at? Um, all things about cannabis cultivation of flower today. In a later episode, we'll, we'll talk about oil and other extraction methods pertinent to other dosage forms. But uh, have some fun. This was a good one. We let Johnny loose in this episode and probably ask too many questions, but strap in and enjoy. <laughs> Today, we have our resident expert, Jani Del Rosario Macritus. Jani is a cannabis scientist at La Trobe University, currently in the last few months of his PhD. After graduating with first-class honours in botany, he became a scientific consultant in the medical cannabis industry. He also has experience as a cannabis cultivator for one of Australia's largest cannabis companies. We love Jani. He's a friend of the podcast. Enjoy. All right, James, time to put your legal hat on. Give us the disclaimer. This podcast is for educational purposes only. We are not doctors, but rather we're just trying to educate the general public to be better informed in their well-being decisions. Pop quiz, what are you not? A doctor. I have handsome. You're also not a doctor, <laughs> so you pass. Uh, if you're considering medical cannabis prescription, make sure to speak to a doctor. All righty. Welcome, everybody, to episode six of the Ask the Expert Cannabis Series. Welcome, 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 Johnny. Welcome uh, back. Thank you. Thanks for having me, guys. So for the listeners at home, I am James, the uh, co-founder of uh, Cannabate Clinics. And Charlie, this is Charlie's brother. Charlie, my co-host and brother. Um, welcome back to the show, resident expert, Johnny. It's really nice to have you. Thank you very much. How are you guys feeling today? Hell yeah. Good, good. Excited to learn. Very excited yeah. for the topics. Uh, Going right. to that out a lot, but I've got my pen and paper. I'm ready to go. James is ready to go. <laughs> New mics. We uh, improve, improve the podcast week by week. That's it. And we're, we're obviously particularly excited today uh, because the, the topic that we're going to be covering is how is medical cannabis grown? Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. the... Uh, Introductory series, episode one through five, is the important starting point if you're new to the podcast. However, what we're going to be doing from episode six onward is doing a deep dive into different areas of uh, Jani and future guests' expertise. So, um, of course, we flagged it in the introduction, but Jani has extensive experience on the cultivation side of cannabis. Um, we were talking before the podcast, he's grown uh, hundreds, if not thousands of, uh, of, of, of cannabis crops um, on the commercial side. But also because he is a scientist, he's got a unique take on the, the science behind cannabis cultivation and growing. So we're really excited to, to dive into things. Basically, he's the right man to have for this conversation. Oh, so. 100%, which is good because we are not. <laughs> so thank you, Johnny. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you. Um, but I, w- I will just say that... Um, you know, there's a, a lot of really good uh, growers out there in the world, and um, and there's a lot of people who have been growing cannabis for decades, so a lot longer than me. 
and um and i i have respect for all of those long-term growers out there and um i'm not the type of person who thinks that i i know everything and um because no one can really know it all and there's always new science coming out that's um revealing more about how we can improve cultivation practices so um yeah with that said let's uh we can get underway with with um saying that uh saying there's a couple of famous names for the people and myself um I, and we might be diving into it later so tell me if i'm uh, jumping in early but who were a couple of the people uh that you have known in the space for being really good growers um well i i actually um i haven't met too many in australia yeah um and the reason for that is because i worked in the medicinal cannabis industry and there are strict guidelines about who can be employed uh in in that industry so old-time uh growers leg legacy growers as they're called in the us uh would not make the cut <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately because i think that cannabis companies could really benefit from the knowledge that those old time growers have um and so the only really way that you can meet these guys is to sort of go out into the areas where um they are known to to grow um particularly in parts of new south wales um where there is a huge cannabis um community um and so i would i'd love to meet the local growers um but in terms of uh other growers from around the world that have you know written really good material on 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 growing cannabis i would say uh one of them is ed rosenthal another one is robert clark who has a, a bit of a um a scientific take um ernest small is another one and um finally jorge cervantes is the um is the big one and you've probably seen jorge on on social media um he's he's written the encyclopedia on cannabis <laughs> so <laughs> yeah um so he he has got a lot of good material on on how to grow uh your own own cannabis as well yeah and and if anyone's trying to spell those names we'll put in the show notes because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was trying to spell it and I miss so I'll get it from Johnny later and I'll yeah. put it in for you uh and we'll try and get some research materials because that would be awesome for it's, it's so interesting though because if 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 someone were to come to me and say I want to grow tomatoes I feel like the safe bet is to to say yeah go find someone who's been growing tomatoes for 50 years and copy what they're doing. <laughs> but in the medical cannabis space it sounds like find the guy's been growing it for 50 years. No no just find the guy's been doing it legally since 2016 yeah. because those guys yeah. where you, you yeah. got to be careful about which is a shame and it makes you wonder in 50 years when there are people who have been doing it in the medical mm. space per you know GMP compliance and, and things like that for such yeah. an extended period of time um how the industry will will, will grow mm. well i suppose to to give you a a a, a low ball to start johnny we'll we'll start yeah. it easy with um how is cannabis grown yeah uh so the first distinction is that there is a difference between growing medicinal cannabis and recreational cannabis in um in sort of like a a, a big commercial sense so and that's because medicinal cannabis 
has to adhere to certain standards, Australian standards that are set by the TGA, the Therapeutic Goods Association. Um, and so the product has to be has to meet those standards um, and it has to be like free of toxins. Uh, it has to be consistent in terms of its chemical uh, compounds that it has in, in, in it. Um, so, so there's a slightly different approach, whereas recreational cannabis, um, it, it tends to be a little bit more relaxed um, in, its, uh, in its methods and, um, and, and not so strict. So in the recreational industry, you know, people, growers will try and sort of almost do anything to increase the yield. Um, and, uh, whereas in the medicinal industry, there's, you can't really, um, deviate too much from the, from those standards that the TGA sets. What do you mean by, what do you mean by yield really quickly? Yeah. Yeah. Good question. So, um, so I think we touched on in the first few episodes that there is a difference between hemp and marijuana. So, and they're all cannabis sativa, so it's all the same species, but hemp, uh, cannabis is mainly grown for the uh, fibers that come from the stalk. So those plants tend to be really tall and skinny because uh, th- that way the, the growers get more fibers out of those plants. On the other hand, the, um, the plants that are grown for THC and CBD, they're called uh, what we call the drug type plant or marijuana. Um, the the compounds are found in in the in the flowers of the female plant so the more flowers you have uh the more yield you're going to have of those compounds and so where do flowers grow well flowers grow on branches and so the more branches you have um the 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 more yield you're going to have so marijuana plants tend to be more bushy and 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 wide whereas hemp plants tend to be um, more tall and skinny. Um, so when we talk about yield, we're talking about really two things. We're talking about the biomass of the flowers. So how much flower can you get off a single plant? Um, and uh, that usually ranges between anywhere, um, I would say between um, 400 grams for like a, a, a like a low low figure and maybe like 900 for a really really good um, figure for for a, a plant um, and then yield also refers to the concentration of cannabinoids inside those flowers so yeah so when you hear about like oh this variety's got 20 percent THC um, you know, that's, that's a, a value of, of yield that growers are, are looking to, to, to always increase. Yeah. So, Johnny, did, did I just hear correctly that one plant could, you could yield up to 400 grams of flour? Is, is, is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So, it, so yeah. That, that really goes when uh, the ACT. Yeah, even, yeah, that's a low figure. Yeah, yeah. You're upwards of 600, 700, 800. You know, that's probably where, you know, you're, you're really aiming for, for like high quality growth. Yeah. So, so when they say in the ACT that you can have two plants in your backyard, if they really knew what they were doing, they could grow quite a bit of, of weed. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, like we're talking about 
optimal growing conditions <laughs> here, optimal practices, and optimal genetics. So, which brings us to the first point of how how it's grown is that you have to choose your variety, which means you have to choose um, the the genetics of the the, the strain. Uh, we we I like to use the word variety rather than strain because um, even though strain does have a very common use in the cannabis community. It's not technically correct. Um, the correct terminology is actually called cultivar, which it which means cultivated variety, uh, which cannabis strains are. They're cultivated, they're bred, um, and they are varieties of the species cannabis sativa. So cultivar is the technical uh, correct term for different strains. <laughs> um and uh the and, babakush cultivar yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah that's right exactly yeah so babakush you know that's a that's a particular you know uh cultivar with with particular genetics that it has inherited from its parent lines um and then those genetics will dictate a lot of the features of the plant such as how big it's going to grow what it's going to look like the architecture of the plant but also the cannabinoid concentrations, which is you know really important, and how much yield biomass you can get from the plant too. Um, so that's the first step. And usually, um, so how did in, when when things went um, legal in two thousand and sixteen? Where did all these cannabis companies get their weed from? <laughs> right? Okay, they didn't just like go, hey, all right, I'll just go down to the shop and. And get some get some weed. No, so a lot of them um, got special licenses to uh, purchase seeds from um, from overseas um, to start growing their own plants. And some of them got seeds for, of you know various varieties. Um, and usually, what happens is they go through a screening, so they will grow a number of different varieties. Um, and then uh, take measurements of of all the plants and see which ones they think are going to be good for the commercial products that they want to um, um, the pharmaceutical products that they they want to end up with. Yeah. The other thing too is you they you can also import live live plants from overseas too with special licenses. Um, and um, and and then you can instead of growing from seed, you can take cuttings from those plants and and grow your your crop from that too. So what's what's the, the more what's the more common approach, and what's the benefit of? It seems like a lot more effort to import a live plant than just get a, a box yeah, of seeds. It is, yeah, it is definitely a lot more effort because it's got to go through. Um, I mean, the seeds also have to be quarantined. But um, live plants pose, um, you know, significantly more um, biosecurity issues and threats um, for for the country and for the environment. Um, so, so the but the benefit of that is um, that you see with with seeds there is a possibility of um, uh, variation. You know, because all those seeds come from a single plant, 
then they're all brothers and sisters, right? <laughs> all those seeds. So you got to, and each one has, just like us, you know, has different, has differences and diff slightly different traits. Um, and, uh, and even though some, some lines of seeds are sold as stable, which means they're all the same, there's still subtle differences that can occur because of the way genetics work. And um, whereas if you have the actual plant, so you can take cuttings from that plant and those cuttings will be identical to the plant that it came from. So there's no variation. Um, so, you know, so if you purchased um, purple kush and you got the plant, then you take cuttings from those plants, those cuttings will be exactly the same genetics in theory. <laughs> in theory. <laughs> I want to ask, I want to ask how do you do something like, like, what are you talking about the cutting? Are we talking about cutting off a branch and sticking it into the ground? But then again, do we, should we talk about like more the, the how is it grown and continue into that? And then you can maybe. Yeah. That well, more. that's kind of, yeah, it's kind of part of it, Charlie. So um, cuttings refer to um, pieces of the stem that are cut from the mother plant so you'll have this mother plant that is grown and um and it will produce it, it's grown um not to flower but to just be able to take cuttings from so i, I should mention that when the, the the cannabis life cycle is um when once it goes from a seedling it goes into this uh, growth phase, which is also called the vegetative phase. And uh, it can stay in this phase for um, up to a few months if it's grown outdoors. Um, and during this phase, it just, it just grows. So it goes tall, it grows wide, it grows branches. Um, and then in the wild, when... So cannabis naturally germinates in the in the spring, and then by Sorry, what the, does what does germination mean? So the seeds will actually um, uh, open up, and the plant will will sprout from the from the seed. Um, so that's what germination means. So in the wild, this will happen in the spring, um, and then. During the spring and the early and midsummer, it will um, the plant will grow, and then when it comes late summer, well, we're we're in sort of right now, the the day length starts to get shorter as you head into autumn, and that day length, as it starts to get shorter and shorter and shorter, once it hits around twelve hours, all right, so. You know, in the summertime, we usually get maybe like 16 hours, 14, 16 hours of daylight. Once it goes down to about 12 hours, then that sends a signal to the plant to start flowering. It triggers it. All right. <laughs> yeah. That's insane. So, <laughs> so once that happens, um, the plant will shift into flowering mode. And then on all those branches that it grew over the summer, flowers will start to appear in huge clusters all over the or all over the plant, but predominantly in the center stalk, which is called the the apical uh, you know meristem, 
um, the main stem, and uh, and that um, and those big clusters we refer to as colas, and um, and so they're the yield that we're talking about. So the bigger the colas, uh, the big the more uh, biomass you have. Right, so what um, specific what specifically happens that you said that's amazing? Can you can you repeat it for the audience? Uh, I, I, I was. You were in. You were entranced by, by uh, the following conversation. Because, uh, yeah, some, someone had said that uh, us repeating it uh, is going to help the audience because we're going to say it in simple lang- simple <laughs> language. So uh, when you said it's amazing, like damn, I missed. Down on paper. No, but that's good. I've got I've got majority of it down on paper. So uh, we'll continue. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so that's the life cycle of the, of the cannabis plant. And, um, I can't remember what we we're talking about before that, about, uh, I just remember the amazing thing was the tw- at midday. At so, midday. so, so, so sorry, uh, uh, when hours, there's 12 yeah. hours of light yeah. that sends a signal to the plant to be like, all right, time to, time to blossom fam, which I just find insane. And yeah. is that Johnny, does that mean that is that signal Presumably, it's a different time of year depending where you grow the plant around the globe. Yeah, like whenever yeah. in that country, it's, it's light. Different. Exactly. Yeah, it's wow. light dependent. Um, there are varieties that uh, um, will flower at a certain age. So after a certain number of weeks of growth, they will just flower irrespective of the light. But they are the minority, and that is actually due to a mutation in the flowering genes um, that that uh, causes that. So this is where genetics really like comes into play. Um, so oh, that's all right. We we're talking about cuttings, all right? Yeah. So with the the mother plant, the grower will keep that plant in excess of twelve hours of light per day. So that it never flowers. Wow. <laughs> okay. Yeah. 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 You got it. Yeah. So it stays in this uh, growth stage, this vegetative stage, forever. I mean, there there is a point where they become too a bit too old, um, but that point is really variety dependent. And from what I've seen, you know, they can easily go for over a year in that. Um, in that stage. So it's important to understand that cannabis is an annual plant. So after it flowers it, it, um, and it sets seed, then the plant is, is finished. It's finished its cycle and then it, it dies. So it's kind of unnatural then. And, and the whole process in the wild may take around like four to six months. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's unnatural to keep a plant in that vegetative state um, for a year, right? It's not, it's not natural. So d- does that mean in the wild, if the process of flowering is a four to six month process, for the remaining period of the year, the remaining six months, it's just just chilling? Like or, it's not, it's just the, yeah. just the plant? Yeah, so the, it's, it's dead. And the seeds of that plant are lying somewhere in the soil, <laughs> dormant over the winter, uh, waiting, uh, soaking up all that um, all that water, and just waiting for the warmth of the spring days to then 
um, signal to it to, to, to germinate and sprout wow. and then start all over again. Yeah. Thank so, God for, for science. It really puts in perspective uh, if a patient were to complain about a, uh, a week delay on their, their flower. Right? <laughs> yeah. so at least yeah. it's not 11, 11 so, so there's certain ways that, um, a, a, you know, a professional cannabis manufacturer, right, can speed up this process. And one of those ways is to grow plants from cuttings rather than from seed, all right? So when you're growing a plant from cuttings, usually the cuttings are around 10 to 14 centimetres long. Um, so you've already got a stem with some leaves at the top, all right? So when the plant grows little um, stems, when they're young, you can cut them off and you um, put them in a propagation uh, chamber and then they will start to grow roots. What is propagation? propagation. propagation. <laughs> I was like, one of us is gonna ask. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I don't want to go into too much detail because uh, you know it's um the the detail is out there. I more or less just want to give a, a, an overview, but one hundred. It is important to understand that when you take cuttings, um, they these are just stems with it with some leaves, so they don't have any root system to help. Uh, help them survive. So you have to encourage that stem to, um, yeah, to to take to take off, and that involves um, putting it into a. Um, you can put it into water, or they have these special. Um, they're called uh, cubes, and they um, uh, you you put the stem in there with a little bit of growth hormone, root, rooting hormone. And then um, you put these plants under light um, and in a dome. So the dome is really important because it keeps the humidity up. See, because the plants can't don't have roots, they can't take up water from their roots. So, because they, they, don't, they don't have any. So um, the plant, uh, will start the, the little cutting will start to wilt and um and that's because all pl all plants uh release water vapor from their leaves so if you have a little cutting with leaves all the water within that plant is going to be released from the leaves and then your plant is going to start to wilt unless it can drink more water from the roots but because this is a cutting without no roots it can't so, um, so what you need to do to prevent the wilting is have a really humid environment. And that's what the purpose of the dome is. The propagation chamber is a dome that goes over the plant, keeps the humidity to pretty much 100%. And when it's in that condition, the, the water that's normally released from the leaves can't be released and therefore the, the cuttings don't wilt. I know that's a lot of technical stuff there. That actually but, makes sense, though. That like us, yeah. it puts in perspective now all the images I've seen, um, uh, especially in those dome uh, spaces. We'll try and I don't know if you can link for in the show yeah. notes as well, but exactly like I've got it in my mind exactly what that whole setup looks like. Um, yeah. And now I'm understanding that all those growing there are cuttings as well, yeah. and, that's, and and that's why they're doing this. I, I just feel for the plant that 
goes through this like tra- <laughs> the tra- the trauma of 12 months without even getting to sp- like a blossom and yeah, it's just yeah. been cut off the whole time. Like, yeah, like yeah, separated yeah. from its brother and sister plans, oh, yeah. taken, it's, it's like, like yeah. the formation of yeah, Australia, the convicts. Have a hard life. Um, yeah, so what happens is like, you know, the mother plant will grow and once it's ready, then a ton of cuttings will be taken off it. Mm. Um, so essentially it, it's a pruning that happens, all right? So you'll take the cuttings off and maybe you'll take 10, 20 um, cuttings off a plant and then um, and then the plant will have to um, repair itself, you know, and it will grow it will grow it will grow more stems eventually how, how, how big for a visual uh, aspect how big is this mother plant is it uh like are we talking tree size or are they cutting it off as it grows constantly so it stays a relatively yeah small size? so okay so cannabis plants i mean outdoors some varieties can grow like to the size of a tree a, a small oh, tree wow. you know mm-hmm. like huge um and um, but in the in a greenhouse or a an indoor grow where you don't really have that much room, you know the the mother plant is usually kept probably at a size of under um, two meters, mm-hmm. let's say, yeah, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and maybe like a meter a meter wide, something like that. Depends on the variety, yeah. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, this brings us to the next point, which is, um, so once you have your, your variety that you want to grow and then you've selected whether you're going to grow from seeds or from cuttings, um, then you have to decide, you know, are you going to grow indoor or outdoor? Um, so obviously as we, we spoke about indoor is much faster um, but there's more electricity costs, energy costs, all right, because you have to provide all the light that outdoors in nature um, the sun would be doing all of that work. Um, so lighting is a big issue for companies and those energy costs contribute a lot to the cost of the cannabis that they're growing. And they pass on that cost to patients, right? So the idea is to try and get costs, energy costs down, still produce a really high quality product, and then reduce the cost to patients. So how do we do that? Well, it's, it's, oh. it's interesting thinking about the economies of scale. I, I, I always would have assumed that it's cheaper to grow a lot of medical cannabis than it is to grow a small amount. But if one of the primary expenses is electricity and it, it's sounding like you're going to need to to light up the entire space, whether it's big or small, it, uh, it's yeah. almost as though that it's it's a relatively variable expense. Maybe you don't have the economies of scale that, that, that one would presume. Yeah, that's right. Um, so there are ways that, you know, people, are, growers are trying to get around that. The main way is to choose LED lights rather than the standard um, uh, sodium uh, pressurized lamps. Um, so they they do use uh, less less energy. 
Um, but there have been some studies that have shown that um, because the LEDs cost a lot more to set up initially, then the overall cost is really not that much different. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> then the standard high-pressure sodium globes, which are cheaper in the beginning, but more expensive to run. But the LED lights are more expensive in the beginning, but cheaper to run. So, um, yeah. But I suppose over time, the LEDs might perform better. Um, and they do last They do last longer as well. Um, the other way is that you can supplement your lighting with sunlight. And you can do this in a glass house, right? So, so you have um, you have a glass house that is so the plants are getting most of their light from the sun, okay. But on overcast days, um, then you have globes inside your your uh, glass house that switch on and provide that supplemental lighting to the plants. All right, so you got mm. the best of both worlds with that. And it does bring down your energy cost quite a bit. And this is um, what some cannabis producers in Australia are attempting to do right now without naming any names. <laughs> it, it sounds, as somebody who has zero cultivation experience, it sounds to me like a glasshouse is the best of both worlds. <laughs> is, there, what, is there an argument against using a, a, a glasshouse? Yeah, so obviously there is a little bit of sacrifice in the control of the, your grow. So in a fully indoor environment, you can control every aspect, whereas in a glass house, obviously you can't really control the power of the sun on that day, on any given day. Um, it could be too much, could be too little. Um, so there is a little bit of sacrifice there, um, but the... You know the the pros I think outweigh outweigh the cons, um, and uh, and after all we do want to get those costs down so we don't have a cheaper product so we don't have patients paying you know higher higher costs. Does that does that then lead to outdoor being completely sacrificial or, and letting nature take course? If yeah. We go, yeah. So if we go indoor, and- indoor with all the costs, then outdoor, how does that run? Yeah, and also, um, well, yeah, um, outdoor is much cheaper, you know, Um, and there are some companies doing only outdoor grow, some medicinal cannabis companies aren't doing that. Does does that Um, just mean once once a year they have an enormous batch of stock and, and that's it? Well, it depends where you are in the world, you know. I guess if you're living somewhere on the equator, <laughs> you can... Um, pretty much grow anytime you like <laughs> but um if you're yeah in australia the there will be sort of one big big season um but um it doesn't seem to be a, a problem for these for these companies so i've been tracking some companies and they've been the ones that do outdoor have been um you know doing pretty good um you know in keeping up with the others uh, in terms of um, product and supply. So, yeah. So there are currently companies in Australia cultivating cannabis indoors. 
yep. through a glass house or by indoors, like fully lighted, full control, and also yeah. glass houses and also outdoors. Is that right? Yeah. No yeah. way. Yeah, I, I would yeah. have thought that, you know, the, system, the, and the, follow the system. Actually, yeah, like, yeah, you know, yeah. it, it just goes to show how new the industry is that yeah. there's yet to become a, a consensus as to what the optimal cultivation method is but from then, a cost perspective. If they are keeping, like, if the outdoor are keeping up with uh, the rest of the game to a certain degree from our understanding, it's like, and it's so much cheaper, how are they, how are they doing it that is, is it just because of their location and they're fortunate or do they have a better squad over there that are just managing it or is it more manpower? Good question. Yeah. Um, good question. It's, it's really, it's hard to know without being inside the company. Right? <laughs> yeah. It's a speculation. Um, yeah, yeah. 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 So we can only speculate, but um, uh, the, the thing with indoor grows and glasshouse facilities is that it, it does require a lot of investment um, uh, because it costs millions of dollars to, to grow these large um, high-tech facilities. And sometimes um, I think particularly in the early days of, of legalization, that companies were very quick to, to say, oh, we're building the biggest facility or the best high-tech stuff, you know, so we're the best, <laughs> we're, the, we're the leader, you know. Without much thought about how much it's going to cost to run and operate, um, and uh, how we're going to optimize the cost, and is it even going to be a better quality than just a simple outdoor grow? So I think there was a lot of a, a rush to show that um, we can be the best by growing the biggest and the best facility, and we've actually seen now that this has. Um, totally backfired <laughs> uh, right? because um, some companies uh, have, have gone, you know, almost bankrupt because of that. And they haven't been able to facilitate the construction of their facilities. So um, some, some construction was delayed. Some was completely put off. Um, you know, because there's been an economic downturn, investors are being a bit more cautious about where they're putting their money in. Um, and uh, yeah, and, and also the outdoor growth seem to be keeping up um, with the Joneses. So, so yeah, it's not the, who's got the best facilities, got the, you know, the best setup. Um, that's definitely not, not the case. Yeah. Um, who I don't know we, we can we can take it out if we discuss later that we don't want to but uh who in your eyes is doing <laughs> it pretty well who's 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 doing it pretty well if we want to name names that's uh, a good question uh, 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 rather than who's doing it poorly let's let's look at the positives who who's actually at least one who's doing it well yeah they're cultivators who are renowned in the industry for really paving the way um yeah, look, there are a few doing it um, pretty good. Um, I am a bit reluctant to name names. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, from what I know, uh, ECS Botanics is, um, is a company that um, is, it seems to be uh, on the ball and doing, doing pretty well. Um, 
There are, yeah, and that's probably all I'll, I'll say, but this is not financial <laughs> advice. Um, not, no. uh, all, the, all the patients listening to this just frantically Googling. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Realizing yeah, that I'm, there's no order button. They have to yeah. go through their doctor. I mean, like, I'm, I'm not saying that the quality is any better than any, anyone else. I'm yeah. just saying in terms of cultivation um, and balancing that, expenses and you know production um equation they seem to be doing uh, they, they seem to have got the strategy right um but there's heaps of others that you know have taken other strategies and maybe their their quality of their cannabis is better i don't know because i haven't tested <laughs> i haven't personally tested every cannabis in australia um uh and uh it, it, you know, um, we rely on lab tests for, for that to tell us about the the concentration of cannabinoids and stuff. So, and then, yeah, it's a big, testing is a big part of it, but that comes later. <laughs> I, I, I do want to do a quick pivot back to one thing and then we'll jump to your question, James. Um, uh, you said before the uh, equator was um, a good place to grow. I have heard of there being like hot zones uh, and I'd love to know from the cultivator himself, um, where in the world, is it best to cultivate outdoors? Yeah, so that's a really good question. The, um, uh, the cannabis plant, depending on the variety, can tolerate temperatures of up to 30 degrees, right? And in fact, some uh, grow guides recommend 30 degrees is probably like the optimal temperature for, for cannabis. But unfortunately, it's not a very good temperature for the people working there, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's why um, usually it's grown at around 26 degrees, um, 24 to 26. Yeah. And try to keep it at that sort of, you know, around that temperature. Um, and cannabis has been spread worldwide, worldwide by man for thousands of years. So it has adapted into all sorts of environments. Um, one of the most um, interesting adaptations is the Afghanistan plant. So they, in Afghanistan, in the mountains, you know, it's actually quite cool. So the cannabis plant has developed ways to, around that. And, and so what that means is it, instead of, um, waiting to flower, it just sort of, um, it, it flowers a lot faster, all right? So it's got a shorter flowering time. Um, and so that's one adaptation, and that's really handy for um, um, medicinal cannabis producers. So if you want, you can go get an Afghanistan variety and crossbreed that with another variety that you have and hopefully get the best of both worlds, you know, Um and, and trying to get a, a plant that's got everything you want. It's fast to grow, but it's also got really good cannabinoids and um, and a really good yield. Yeah, so it's a real it's a balancing act. So um, yeah, I really want to ask about genetics and uh, crossbreeding, but I will I refrain from doing it, so yeah. because uh, when 
discussing uh, topics that we'd, we'd cover this podcast. Johnny did flag that that's something that probably needs to be a podcast episode yeah. itself. So if you're interested in uh, yeah. in, in crossbreeding yeah. and the like, it's something that we'll, we'll, we'll come back to probably around episode eight, episode nine, I, I imagine. Um, but to, to uh, continue with the conversation we were having, Johnny, uh, about how cannabis has grown from the the, the notes that I've taken, it starts with acquisition of the seed or the uh, branch or you know, the, the cutting. Then you decide indoor, outdoor, glass house. And then what's, what's, what's next? Yeah. Um, so the next, so I'll run through uh, just an overview of the next few parts. So once you've got your lighting and your, your, your environment sort of set, um, the next thing you need to think about is are you going to grow your plants in soil? Or are you grow, going to grow them in a hydroponic medium? Mm-hmm. So um, usually with uh, medicinal cannabis, it's not grown in soil because soil uh, can be contaminated with uh, all sorts of stuff, microbes, but also um, uh, uh, chemicals that are not supposed to be there. Um, so usually medicinal cannabis is grown in what we call inert materials. In other words, they don't have any nutrients or any elements inside them that add anything to the plant, all right? So this inert material is, could be something like rock wool, which is really popular. Um, it's actually a natural material that's been um treated with um with uh heat and um and that's uh, it it has really good aeration which is important for plants but it also is inert which means you can then add your fertilizer to it and that's really helpful because you can um know exactly how much fertilizer is going into the into that one plant or into your crop of plants so you've got more control the more control you have, the better um, you can optimize your growth. Um, so once you've got your substrate right, um, you can also grow plants in um, in water. So the roots will be literally um, uh, uh, sitting in water. All right. So that's like a true um, deep hydroponic uh, system, um, and the water will contain the nutrients in it. So the new, the hydroponic just means that the plant is being fed nutrients through water. So the 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 nutrients are soluble in the water, and then the water is is fed to the plants. So whether or not your um, plants are sitting, your the roots are sitting in water, or they're sitting in a rock wool type um, medium. As long as they're getting fed with this um, hydroponic solution, you know, we can call that hydroponics. So uh, to put some relevance into the novice's mind, um, think about Stranger Things and when Eleven is going into that uh, upside down world or whatever whatever the other the downside <laughs> of, whatever that, yeah, land, yeah. that place she goes to and she's in a like immersion <laughs> chamber. That's what I'm imagining her roots are uh, <laughs> linking on. Um, that's, that's weird to vision. That is weird to vision. Just having like the plants sitting in water, uh, and then yeah. almost, cause like, I, I need to see an image of that. Cause I'm thinking, is it submerged? Is it hovering? Like what is happening there? 
Uh, but that's cool. I, di- I didn't know it was either soil or hydroponic medium. That's cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so soil, we, yeah, we probably wouldn't say is, um, is, is hydroponic really, but um, the, it, you can have mediums like rock wool or there's clay balls. Um, there's uh, cocoa, cocoa fiber. So fibers from the, um, from coconut husk. Um, they're really good too. They're also um, pretty inert. And then once you have your medium, you have to choose um, which fertilizer you're gonna you're gonna put into the plants. So there's a whole range of brands. Like that's a whole another episode on itself. Um, <laughs> cannabis yeah. fertilizers. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, cannabis off, fertilizer. Yeah, yeah. That'll right? be episode two hundred three. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then uh, yeah, and then you're pretty much off to the races. So then you follow that. Um, so then the plant grows um for a few weeks in that vegetative growth phase with um around 18 hours of light and then after a few weeks it's usually spends about two weeks in a in an indoor grow about two weeks in that vegetative phase and this is from cutting so the cutting takes two weeks to grow roots then you transfer that into a larger pot once it's grown roots and then and then you start the vegetative phase which goes for about two weeks then the plant so it's already four weeks old right then you take that pot and you place it under 12 hours of light excuse me and then it will take around eight weeks to fully mature yeah Depends on the variety. Um, and what you have to do as a grower is test uh, the cannabis, the cannabinoid potency um, while it's flowering to see when is the optimal time to harvest. So now we come to the fun part, which is harvest. So once the plants have matured, after about six to eight weeks of flowering, then they are literally cut down from the trunk, right? And um, and then the it, either two things happen. One is that they are hung up upside down to dry in a drying room, which is very low humidity. Um, and I'm not really going into the technical details about, you know, what percentage humidity and stuff like that. Or, or another thing that happens is the fresh um, stems with the flowers on it are taken into a trimming room and are trimmed off the stems. So you have now all these loose buds that have been freshly trimmed. And trimming usually happens by hand, but it can also happen um, by machine as well. Um, and once you have the buds, um, either loose or on the still on the stems, then and they're dried out. Usually, it takes um, depending on the conditions. I think roughly around um, seven to ten days for them to fully dry out. Um, and you want it to be very very dry because um, you don't want any moisture any moisture in there. Um, Moisture is a big problem because moisture is a habitat for bacteria, fungus, 
uh, mold, and we don't want that. So during this process, we're really stringent and checking for all these things. The, on that note, I should also mention that um, there's also pest control that happens during the grow. But because it's medicinal, you can't use herbicides, uh, pesticides, right? So um, what we have to use is, uh, is biological uh, pest control. Do you guys know what that means? I think you can, uh, <laughs> can guess the answer to that one by the look on our face. <laughs> okay, so there's chemical and then there's biological. So chemical is when you spray a pesticide on your plants and that kind of kills everything or um, uh, deters um, pests from coming onto your plants, right? But then those chemicals are going to stay on the bud and it's going to transfer to the final product. So we can't have that because it's a medicinal um, product. So instead what we use is biological control. So that means we, when we have pests, we find out um, what insects are the predators to those pests and we introduce the predators into the environment and the predators um, kill off the, the, the pests that are doing the damage to the plants. Wow, it's an entire That's, ecosystem, and <laughs> yeah, shit. <laughs> yes, exactly. Could you, could you elaborate with more specifics? Like, what are the, the when you say predators? Like, I'm imagining there's a bunch of rats running around. You chucking Genuinely, some eagles yeah, in there, yeah, yeah. and so then like, some snakes. Uh, to yeah, straight away, <laughs> it's like worms are eating at least. All right, cool, get get the get the fish. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then we need yeah, a cat so, to deal with yeah. the fish, and an eagle deal with the cat. <laughs> Uh, something like that, yeah. Cats do a really good job. <laughs> um, yeah, so I won't go into the into the species because it's uh, quite technical. Yeah. Um, but there are certain pests that attack cannabis plants, do a lot of damage. Spider mites are quite common. Aphids as well. Um, and these are all things that you, as a grower, you have to check for during the grow. And so we usually do what we call plant health checks every every single day of the crop. Um, and then, yeah, uh, we find out what pest is around. And then there's um, there are companies that supply uh, predators that, uh, yeah, they they supply live predators that uh, you can uh, sprinkle on top of your plant so you get a canister of the of the insects and they're not just in there by themselves they're usually in there with some um sand uh dust you know sandwood yeah. um like small little wood chips um and then you sprinkle the wood chips over your your crop or you put them at the base and that kind of, um, yeah, helps you uh, get rid of your pests. So, for, for, yeah. For, for an example then, spider mite being the pest, can you give us an yeah. example of the specific predator that would come in for that? Do you know? Uh, not off the top of my head. <laughs> not off I thought the top I'd throw you that head. one because I was interested. I don't like spiders, so I'd love to know. And looking at the image, they're, they're gross. They are gross. Yeah. I'll send. I'll put a link in the show notes as well. But James has looked up on his computer, and then he's walked out. Maybe to throw. Yeah, up. they are. Quite, <laughs> they are quite gross. 
So um, uh, I used to know all the names, but yeah. I have been out of the cultivation game for about a year and a half now, and I'm very focused on my PhD. So I will cut, we'll, 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 we'll cut you some slack because you're doing the yeah. PhD. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to finish this research, man. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll figure out what the spider mite predator is because I'm interested in that one. Uh, yeah, it looks small. Aspis might be. Um, That's just crazy that, like, yeah, it just shows you how deep it goes because then they've got companies like specializing in that, in the predators of the potential pests in cannabis, like uh, harvesting and growth. Like, yeah. that is, it's just elaborate. So at uh, at a cannabis, um, the conference that that Charlie and I attended, um, an industry conference for cannabis over the last two days, the uh, something that did come up was how degradation of crop yield through whether it's um, some of these uh, you know parasites attacking the the crop or um, mold, whatever yeah. it, whatever it is, can be as high as twenty to to thirty percent, which I thought was so high. So no. I can. I can almost empathize with some of these um, suppliers who or growers who came into the space in the green rush. They got all excited. They built a $20 million facility. Mm -hmm. Oh, no, energy expenses have gone mm -hmm. up, which is one of our <laughs> primary expenses. Oh, no, we've lost 20 30% of our crop. <laughs> oh, no, there's now an influx of suppliers. You can kind of see how uh, there was that early spike that, that you know, the, um, the, the hem was dealt in such a way that some companies yeah i can see how it might have been hard over the last couple yeah of years. <laughs> yeah totally totally yeah so all sorts of things got have gone wrong in terms of um trying to grow the right crop as we said in the beginning a lot of legacy growers were um not permitted to work in the industry so companies are trying to figure stuff out for the first time and so a lot of mistakes are made <laughs> Um, and uh, um, a lot of trial and error. And, and unfortunately, a lot of product, you know, goes to waste. Um, and uh, sometimes, uh, you know, in the medicinal, um, in the medicinal space, um, I experienced personally a lot of wastage because um, product was dropped on the floor and once it's dropped on the floor, it cannot be cannot be used. And so sometimes when we're hanging up um, uh, buds for drying and we accidentally drop buds on the floor, that just goes straight in the bin. And I'm talking about like awesome nuggets. <laughs> <laughs> So no three, no three second rule in the cannabis growing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking, I'm thinking my heyday when I was working in restaurants, waitering. Yeah. I drop a chip. I'm like, ah, oh, it's all right. I just slap it back in there. But I think there's a little bit more compliance in the yeah. cultivation. That's it's good to hear. <laughs> yeah, but as a as a you know as someone who's passionate about cannabis, you're just. Mm -hmm. You know, watching this just get thrown in the bin, and you're going, "Oh my god, I yeah. can't believe it!" And they're like, "Oh my god." <laughs> <laughs> a question that I've been wanting to ask you, and this is probably a, a good time, tangentially related, is yeah. one of the big uh, pain points for for patients is price, and it's something that since the industry started for medical cannabis in 2016, obviously the extremely high 
cultivation like requirements like you're never going to get pushback from, from from us about having high uh standards and efficacious and safe medicine however do, do you think that there are some instances like what, what you just described where the bar is so high that it becomes so difficult to cultivate and 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 therefore more expensive for, for patients do you think the pendulum sometimes swings too far um yeah, I I do think that for sure. Um, you know, the what goes on behind the scenes is quite extensive. Like there are, um, you know, as a cultivator, when you go and start work for a company, the first thing that they're going to get you to do is read all the standard operating procedures, okay? So there is strict methods in how you um prune the plant how you do plant health checks how you feed the plant um how you harvest it how you trim it there's a lot of um you know procedures that you have to adhere to which i understand because you're trying to make this a a consistent product but what that means is that someone had to write those procedures you know um and then you have to have the crew that that have to spend hours and hours reading them and adhering to all these procedures. So all of this labor kind of adds up. Mm. Um, and uh, and you know, with things like dropping cannabis on the floor, I mean, yeah, that it it's kind of it 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 does seem to be a bit a bit too much because ultimately, what's going to happen? And, and it's not like you're wearing just your plain outdoor shoes in in that room right you're wearing work boots that don't leave the facility you and then on top of the work boots you're wearing um covers so booty covers um so granted there's still not going to be germs and stuff on your on your shoe which may be on the floor um but at the same time that product is probably going off to be extracted and it's not going to be smoked, right? So the cannabinoids inside that product are not affected really by, um, you know, what happened on the floor. <laughs> but at the same time, yeah, you do need to have, um, you know, it it it's it's diff- it gets difficult when, when there's grey areas. It's better to be just black and white. This is how it's done, and if it doesn't meet this standard, then it doesn't go through. So I think it's necessary. But unfortunately, that's why all these um, costs add up for the for the patients. Yeah, makes sense. Mm. Makes sense. And 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 the, the point you make about look, you can't operate in the grey. It's like, well, all right, maybe if you you could pick it up after one second if the floor's clean. Well, then what about two seconds? What about ten? Like, where's the line? And it's easy to just draw the line in the in the sand. <laughs> yeah. Now, um, it, so on the the growing of cannabis side um we went all the way up to to harvesting and then drying out um are you you able to continue the 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 journey or have we we come so so the final um so the final step is the packaging um and then uh and so uh every company has different uh procedures but because they were growing large amounts of cannabis um, and it's not all going to be sold instantly. 
So it has to be stockpiled in a sense, all right? So how do you store dried cannabis buds? Well, everyone kind of knows that um, you, you, want, uh, you want to preserve the cannabinoid concentration in those buds. And a lot of the terpenes, which are the, the compounds that uh, contribute to the smell and the flavor of the cannabinoids. And those terpenes are volatile. So if you just left that um, bud in open air, it's going to lose a lot of its flavor and smell quite quickly. So the best thing you can do to preserve it is vacuum seal the buds. Mm-hmm. So, um, so usually that's what's, that's what's done. Um, or you're putting it into a very airtight container of some sort. And then you're storing that until the time comes when you need to um, use that for extraction or you're going to um, ship it off to the, to the pharmacy where it's going to be sold to the, to the patient. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of like the final step in the whole um, in the whole process. And how long does that last then after it's been vacuumed? <laughs> once once you so say vacuum seal, how long can you vacuum vacuum seal it for if you know? And then how long once it's <laughs> ripped open out of that vacuum seal? Uh, yeah, good question. But I, I it's really difficult to know. I mean, like I don't think any studies have been done on that. Mm-hmm. Um, but and and unfortunately, uh, it might be held in stock for a few months before it actually gets to your um, to your patient. Mm-hmm. Um, depends on the demand, I suppose. And um, uh, but uh, you know, if it's done really, really well, the vacuum sealing or the the, the storage, and you want to keep it in a dark place too. And it also needs to be um, quite cool. You can't have it in a hot, um, a hot environment. So it will usually be stored in a dark room, you know, that has a really good aircon. Um, and I would say that a few months is probably fine. Over a year, I would start to get a little bit uh, concerned uh, with the quality of it, and also, you know. Who wants bud that's been squashed up in a vacuum sealed bag for a year? <laughs> no thanks. <laughs> you would be you would be pretty sad yeah. if you, you you got your 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 prescription and you had a look and you could tell it was yeah. nine or ten months old. Yeah, and... that's yeah. great. But I, I, I suppose a lot of that's going to go off for extraction. Yeah, you know which we can talk about another time. Mm. Um, I was going to ask that because obviously 70 to 80% of the medical cannabis market is flour mm-hmm. and therefore we basically reach the end of the journey there for, for what's been put in the little 10 gram tub and, and ultimately sent to f- uh, pharmacies. Uh, however, yeah. um, for oil, there is, you know, the 20 to, to 30% of, of uh, medical cannabis consumption in Australia that is through oil. And I imagine there's some additional steps there, but we can, uh, we can, we can maybe have a, a separate episode on how is CBD oil yeah. made. That's awesome. So we, we have uh, to, to summarize and I'll try to summarize yeah, to, this uh, is good. To, to help with the learning. Um, so we've got the, the step one, choose your variety uh, or cultivator, cultivar, cultivar. Thank you. Uh, 
uh, aka strain choice. Um, then step two, seeds or cuttings uh, choice. Then indoor or outdoor. Then number four, or we glass have house. or glass house. Uh, number four, we have soil or hydroponic medium. Oh, yeah, awesome. Nice. Thank you. Um, number five, fertilizers. I've got number six, uh, pretty much being the timeline. Uh, I'm not going to go into that. It's number seven, harvest. So you, you're cutting it down from the trunk. And then we have number... And then drying out as number eight. I've got and then I've got pe- I've got pesticides, so bi- uh, biological control, of course. And then um, drying out, and then storage slash packaging. Correct. Do we miss anything, Johnny? Uh, no, I think you guys nailed it. Well Hell done. yeah! <laughs> well done. There you go. That's as simplified as I could possibly get it, because um, all my notes are pretty simple. So. Thank you. Uh, you've elaborated it. You've extended it, but I think we've hit it on the on the tee. Yeah, That's awesome. Well done, Johnny. All right, see you, mate. <laughs> well, now, so some of the uh, sub kind of topics that we discussed uh, before the the podcast were how is it grown, which we just covered, different cultivation methods, how long does it take to grow cannabis, and is Australian cannabis high quality? I'm I'm led to believe that it's only really a conversation about Australian cannabis specifically that's remaining, or is there anything else on the other points that you wanted to touch on? Um, yeah. I mean, in, in terms of like how good Australian, you know, cannabis is, uh, look, we're, we're probably miles behind, you know, the U S and, and Canada in terms of, uh, not probably we are right. Mm. But that doesn't mean that our our weed is not of high quality, um, and it's difficult for one person to say because uh, its quality is subjective. So when you see these cannabis cups where um, the you know they 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 look for the best buds. You know, there is a bit of subjectivity involved in in what the um, uh, the judges are looking for in terms of quality. So, yeah. Um, but med- med- all you need to know for medic- from a medicinal standpoint is what's inside the the bud. What are the chemicals, the compounds um, inside that bud? And for that, we use lab tests. And um, and if it's decently grown cannabis, it's going to have a good amount of cannabinoids and a good amount of terpenes, depending on the variety. Um, and if it's poorly grown, it's going to have low concentrations of that, and it's probably not going to go to market because it's not going to meet the standards that the company is trying to um, put out there with that product. So, um, yeah, so it's hard to say in general, but I think overall as a cultivation um, industry, we are probably, I mean, there I go again, we are definitely (laughs) far behind (laughs) the leaders, but we are catching up. And it would help if we got the the help of the legacy growers who know so much Mm -hmm. and if we got them involved in the industry we can even we can get uh, up to speed even faster. So yeah. going so going back on that, is there like are they standoffish? Are we standoffish? Is it the compliance side, the 
uh, the reason they're not getting in the industry? Yeah, totally. I mean, um, look, there's uh, <laughs> there's always ways around things, <laughs> right? Um, and uh, but from a you know hundred percent regulatory aspect, if you have anything to if you have grown cannabis in the past or have consumed cannabis or that you, you're not a suitable person so you have to pass a suitable person's test to be able to work for a medicinal cannabis company in australia and that test means you have to answer a number of questions um and if, if you have been um uh, if you have gone to therapy for drug addiction, you're out. You know, if you have any sort of convictions related to drugs or fraud, you know, you're out. Um, bankruptcy, if you have any um, criminal record of any kind, basically you're out. You have to have a um, a, a, crime, a national crime check done. Um, and if you... Uh, yeah, if you have consumed illegal substances in the last five years, you're out, you know. So um, if you're a legacy grower and meet any of that criteria, you're out. But if you don't meet that criteria, then I suppose you technically could be allowed in and you should be allowed in. I think it's ridiculous those um, suitable persons uh, test because um, it's... Uh, yeah, it's just perpetuates a stigma against uh, cannabis mm. and it um, it isolates people who have very good experience with the plant. It sounds as though what's necessary is some kind of exemption where if the reason you would otherwise not be a reasonable person is because of a cannabis-related offence, whether it's possession, cultivation or otherwise, mm. then almost that should be because otherwise what you get is almost like a Simpsons skit where at the top it says, are you eligible to grow cannabis? And there's one question and it's like, do you have experience with cannabis? If yes, you're not eligible. <laughs> like, just doesn't make sense. Like, you know, like, yeah, pretty like, much, pretty much. Yeah. It's, it's quite, uh, it's quite ridiculous, but look, um, you know, the, the industry secret is that there are people with cannabis experience working in the industry. It's impossible to um, weed all these people out, excuse the pun. Um, <laughs> and, uh, uh, and, and, it's, and it's of benefit to, to the companies and it's of benefit to the, to the patients ultimately, you know. So, um, but there are many people who might have a small blemish on a, a, a criminal record for example, if you are a victim of the war on drugs and you got caught smoking a joint one day that, you know, you were having social, um, social in, in a social setting, um, then, yeah, you're, you're out <clears throat> just like that. So your whole career in what could be your um, passionate um, industry, you're out. Yeah. 